Alex. Guckste, hörste, klickste. Mittwoch, 20 Uhr. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to Burlesque on Air, the worldwide first burlesque radio show with the brilliant burlesque performer, sexy singer, and horny host, Lada Redstar. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Suzanne. We have a big celebration tonight. Ah, uh -huh. It's our 20th anniversary. Oh, yeah, that's true. Can you believe it? What's that, like a, a silver wedding anniversary? You know? mm, I, I'm not so... I'm, I don't know so much about weddings. So. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> Let's not be romantic here. Let's get to the point. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is a big thing, right? And we have signed actually with Alex Radio for another year mm -hmm. of Burlesque on Air. So you're going to hear more and more and more of us. And you're going to hear in the future many, many more stories of the legends. Who are the legends? The legends are the burlesque performers that performed back in the days, in the golden era of the burlesque, in the 50s, in the 60s, and in the 70s, up until the burlesque unfortunately sort of stopped being uh, a popular uh, form of art and entertainment. So, I mean, these stories are really, really amazing. And tonight we have a very special guest. Who is it, Suzanne? It's Holiday O'Hara. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I mean, she has amazing stories. Can you a little bit tell um, mm. short things about her life? She has had an amazing life from a stripper to a hypnotherapist then she was also going through club manager before that and exactly. she was a dominatrix yes mm -hmm. and for your listeners who are faithful to us since years you very well know that domination is one of our favorite topics right and yes. one of yours favorite topics because actually we have a youtube channel and our video about the domination was the most view of all of our history of burlesque that's here. true so just go on you YouTube, search for burlesque on air and you're going to find all of us amazing tutorials yeah it's called i think the femdom tutorial femdom tutorial femdom tutorial mm -hmm. exactly and, and you will see there how lada gets banked so oh God, <laughs> if that's not a reason to watch it <laughs> my butt was so red <laughs> yeah. and if after that you cannot just stand to have a moment without us Check as well our SoundCloud. So just Google SoundCloud, Burlesque on Air, you're gonna find us. Mm -hmm. And if you don't find us and you're so desperate, well, just check our Facebook page and there you're gonna find all the information. www.facebook.com slash Burlesque on Air. <laughs> so let's get on with this episode. And first of all, we will talk as usual to Satan's Angel about Satan's memories. So, let's call Satan's angel. Drin, drin. Sex. Sex. Oh my god, like every single month, we have our, not special guest, but super special guest, Satan's angel, the legends of the legends, the sexiest of the sexiest, here with us on Burlesque on Air. I don't even need to introduce you anymore, Satan's. Welcome back. 
Well, thank you, Lana. Uh, it's my great pleasure to be back. It's always so much fun doing your show. I enjoy it. I miss yeah. my German babies. And you know very well why we want you with us, because you have all the inside secrets. Oh, yeah. Juicy ones, too. <laughs> Some that weren't, weren't even in my documentary, because I wanted to save them from my book, but... Uh-oh. I've been well, writing that book since 1986, so that'll tell you how fast I want to write it, because some are so juicy you can't even tell. Well, just give us some of them then. Keep the juiciest one for the book, but give us just a little bit of juice, even to us. <laughs> And so what's special... Uh, well, 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 well. We have a very special guest in Burlesque on Air today. It's a special one, two, three, wait for it, Holiday O'Hara episode. And oh, I know. Yay! Oh my God! And I know you were really oh. good friends. And I know you know many naughty secrets about her. So we want to know it all. Well, she'll probably kill me if I tell you this one, but this has to be the. Tell it, the say it guest. all. Yeah, the best, because she is actually, uh, she, she was, you know, for a lesbian, she used to torture the hell out of me because ah! we worked, yeah, we worked in Guam, which is like if you're doing um, service tours or USO tours, you know, they, they weren't all Bob Hope, they were other people too. So we would jump into Hawaii and go to Guam and go to Philippines and then go to Vietnam and And some girls went on to Japan and China and Thailand and all that. So I was in Guam and I got lucky to be her roommate. Oh, 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 That woman didn't even know what, because she, you know, the only time she really wore clothes is when she was on stage. Oh, she's just like me. <laughs> Yes, she was like a total nudist, and she would just walk along, you know, and she'd be painting her, getting her, uh, you know, and figuring out files and stuff, and she'd drop her Emory board and bend over, and I'm sitting there going, holy shit, I'm going to have a heart attack, <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. But, but she had a girlfriend, and I had a girlfriend, but we were two lesbians, And together, a lot of people didn't know that, you know, that she was I didn't know either that Holiday was a lesbian. Yes, she was. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, talking about the nudist, uh, did you know that we had a special nudist, a nudist episode on Burlesque on Air? And all of our listeners can listen to it on our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash Kirkus Radio yeah. <laughs> playlist Burlesque on Air. Exactly. Oh, no. Just look for it. And, you know, she, would, she, she had natural, like, Afro hair. And it was flaming red. She was an excellent performer. Uh, the only thing really, I think, that kept her from being like a superstar was that she had little tiny tatas because she was tall and thin. And then, you know, through time, you know, uh, she put on weight uh, a little bit and, and she had these humongous tatas. I said, what'd you do, get a boob job? And she goes, no, just fat titties. <laughs> and I said, I don't when I get fat, my titties don't look like that, you know? <laughs> But uh, she was great to roommate. She was wild. She was crazy. 
We used to do so much stuff. I have so many pictures. I sent pictures to her so she can send you pictures of us on stage. We did a big Halloween bash, you know, for the Marines and, and the Navy. Oh my, wait, 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 wait. And, no, no, no. We need a break here. The Marines? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you're yeah. both lesbians and so on, but I mean, a good-looking boy, it's still such a nice thing to look at, right? Absolutely. The Marines were terrific. I mean, they got up, put a 100-pound pack on their back, ran eight miles, okay? They didn't even pee first when they got out of bed. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, those boys were physical, they were fit, they were beautiful. Oh, my I God. I fucking love those Marines, man. Especially the women. <laughs> <laughs> well, because in those days, you could screw anybody you want and you didn't die. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah I didn't waste time. I'm, I was a real horrible boy. I'd just be snagging up them women, you know. Every once in a while, I threw a guy in there just for the fun of it. Oh, yes. Guys are fun sometimes to play with around. Yeah, you know, fuck them, throw them out. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know, anyway. You're just here for the for the fuck, baby, because you ain't got no money, so that's it. <laughs> but I mean, the guys who have not money, they're not the best fucks, usually, let's say. No, let's oh, they're terrible. So, they're terrible. So, I mean. They're old and disgusting. Yeah, like, I mean, having, you know, a hot marine with a big dick and a nice skin and nice muscles, and so on. I mean, I wouldn't say no to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That's what I did. Okay. Okay. Let's focus. So the, the secret I'm going to tell you about. Yeah, let's focus again back on Holiday O'Hara. Yes. yes. Uh, well, Holiday had her butch with her. Okay. At this one time when we were working together, yes. <laughs> so, um... Holiday would just bat her eyelashes at the, you know, the Air Force guys who used to fly those jets. <laughs> and she'd say, oh, but George, I need some, some really good Thai weed. Are you going to Thailand? You know, yeah. and they'd bring her back like a suitcase full, you know. <laughs> These fly boys would do this for her. Because I wasn't much of a pot smoker, I was a drinker. <laughs> so I had this, I had this red liquid sequin dress that was all the way down to my crack. And of course, my tits still stood up gorgeous, you know. And I would do this little bit where I'd walk out and kind of sing a little bit, you know. And she said, "You just, you're just too nervous, you know, you, you know, because I." I, I don't, I sang rock and roll with a big rock band behind me. I didn't go out there and be a single and just, anyway, so she said, take a drag off of this. And it was, it was like a toothpick. <laughs> I took a drag off of that tie weed. And <laughs> you have to understand the Asians were all short people. So the doorway to the stage, it didn't have a door, but it had a doorway. It was funny because, you know, like you go to walk through it, you'd have to duck, you know, to get out on stage. And of course, that one hit, I think I actually took two, which was my mistake. <laughs> I took two puffs off of it, and I went to walk out on stage, and the first thing I do is I hit my head. <laughs> <laughs> so I walk out on stage, and I just, I'm totally out to lunch. I have no clue what I'm doing, 
what I'm, where I'm at, I just walked over and put my left hand on the microphone and I just slowly slid to the floor and sat on the edge of the stage, just dangling my feet, you know, and for 45 minutes, I have no fucking clue what I did. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, oh. she's backstage laughing her ass off, you know. But that's the kind of shit that we used to get into when the when the cyclones, you know, the hurricanes would come and we'd run out and stand in the middle of the eye of it and, and bump and grind and dance and meanwhile all the houses were blowing away like something from the Wizard of Oz. She was a wild and crazy and exciting and till this day is one of my best friends ever. Oh, ever. amazing. She's an outstanding woman. She's smart. She's intelligent. And when you get her all, you hear this, everybody out there? When you listen to this woman, oh, my God, has she got a plethora of stories? Oh, honey, she's done it. She's done it all. So I'm really believe that she's done it all. So talking yep. about General friendships and, friendships and so on, let's share one little less memories. Tell us something about something really touchful that she did for you, something very precious and personal, something like, you know, not talking about the crazy things you did together, but something very personal and special and unique, like a special friendship moment between the two of you. And we'll end up with this romantic moment. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that probably that I would say that Miss Exotic World, which is now known as the Burlesque Hall of Fame, uh, got legends together, and I had not seen Holiday since the 70s, and in the early, or maybe middle 2000s, we ran into each other through the Burlesque Hall of Fame, and I, I was so elated to see her. Oh. You know, I was so excited because we were so close, and we were so such dear friends and I had moved from San Francisco to Vegas and that's where I worked all the big shows and she stayed there and did her thing and ran burlesque shows etc etc she'll tell you later but um, I think that the greatest thing that she ever did for me was at my most lowest point in my life my second lowest point in my life because she's a therapist yes I could call her up and be in tears and beside myself and, and lost and can't figure out where my head's at. And she would talk to me and bring me back, you know, to some point of sanity. She is a, a, a very knowledgeable person. And I think a lot of times when she does this, it's because she's probably been there and done that. But she's licensed, well, she was, I don't know if she is now, but she was licensed. I mean, she's got a stack of everything, certificates, whatever. But she was always there for me, always. Oh. I can go right now and knock on her door and say, I'm here. And she'd say, how long are you staying, darling? And that'd be it. I could stay there forever. Amazing. And if I wanted to move in and be her roommate, I could be one of her roommates. Amazing. We are tight. We're close. Amazing, and I'm sure she's gonna be there for us tonight, so we cannot wait to interview her. So thank you this very, is gonna be one very, of your best very... Interviews, I'm gonna tell you, it's gonna be one of your best, because oh. boy, 
Well, I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to spoil. Don't tell too much. Don't tell too much. Let her tell her by her own. But thank you so much for being with us again this month on Burlesque on Air. I will see you next month. Yes, we definitely will. Thank you, Satan's Angel, from all yeah, our I hearts. I love you. Good luck on your TV. I love you. I love you. I love you, Germany. Bye. I love you, I love you too, my darling Satan. See you soon. Okay. Listeners of Burlesque on Air, the moment has come. 
to share these oh, intimate moments with the lady who loves to love you. One of my favorite legends of all times and absolutely my most favorite performance of the legend that I have seen live. Holiday O'Hara, welcome to Burlesque on Air. We are so happy to have you here. Oh, thank you, Lada. We have mutual admiration society going on here. Oh, my God. I'm blushing so much right now. <laughs> oh, God, I love to make people blush. <laughs> Especially ladies. <laughs> so, yeah. yes. So I have to tell to my listeners... Uh, our little story. So our listeners need to know that we have met in real, in flesh, in, two thousand, yeah. <laughs> in 2013 at the Burlesque Hall of Fame. And you have done on the Friday night, which was the night that preceded my performing night. And I mean, this night gave me so many emotions and so much energy to rock it the day after. Anyway, so you performed that night with something that I consider to be not only the best performance of the night, but the best performance that I have ever seen on stage, because we have to let know our listeners that, of course, you had some health issues in the past, and yeah. you are now in a wheelchair, and you performed your full burlesque act in your wheelchair. And that was, I mean, for me, such a touching moment, the way that a woman can express their sexuality and sensuality and their strength and her energy with, I mean, you know, with what she has, and as well this moment when at the end of your act, you just lifted yourself just a little bit in this, like, moment of fucking survival, you know, and you gave us all, and I mean, that's what I cried, all the tears that I had in my body, in my eyes, <laughs> and still today no, when I... And still today, I'm glad you got rid of them all. <laughs> yeah, and still today when I talk about you, I mean, I talk about you in all of my workshops and uh, to everyone, you know, that I try to explain the real uh, magic and the real, you know, uh, energy of the legends. I always talk about you because that performance for me, it's very symbolic, you know, of all of you legends that are still fighting and that they're still there showing their, you know, sensuality and sexuality and energies on stage. So really welcome to Burlesque on Air. I'm so honored to have you here today. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Thank you. You know, when I first came to the Burlesque Hall of Fame in 2007, um, I was able to actually, I came out in a rollator, like a push, a walker, and I was pushed by two girls, and I was actually able to stand for a bit. Uh, 2008, still able to stand for a bit. And then on the various things, I didn't go back till 2011. By 2011, I was only able to stand for a teeny bit, um, and... In 2014, that was the last time you're going to see me stand, I think. Uh, be, no, 2015, I stood for a heartbeat and sat back down. And that was it. That was it. I can't stand anymore. Uh, but, you know, one of the uh, first pieces of instruction I got was from a barker on Broadway. He had been in vaudeville and in, in Berlin, and he said to me, to make it really naked in this business, you need three things. A, you need an, you need acts. You need costumes. You need acts. You need to be different in each one. Figure it out what you are, who you are, what your theme is. 
go from there. Okay, I could do that. He said, you need to be graceful. You need to really be able to <laughs> dance or move. I can do that. And he said, and the third is you have to have a personality and it must show in your face. I said, you didn't say anything about a great body. He said, if you've got those other three covered, you don't really need a great body. Mm. Yeah. You've got to get a gimmick, <laughs> right? As Gypsy Rosalie would say. I never had a great body. If I decided Oh, well, have, wait, wait, I... wait, wait a second, because I have seen pictures of you and I mean... I totally disagree with that, but let's go on. <laughs> That's called the art. That's called art, dear. <laughs> no, I have a waist. I, well, I did have a waist when I weighed that's 135. All, that's all a woman <laughs> needs to have, a waist, and then all the rest just um, goes with I had, it. I had a long, very supple waist. I had ballet and modern jazz training, but my breasts were small, and they weren't cute, perky breasts, so... I never took my bra off till the very end. All the pictures you see, I have a bra on. It's well, called push-up. I have a bit of an anecdote. <laughs> my, now, no, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. My ass is low, flat, and wide. I don't have a great body. I do have a personality and a face. <laughs> I did have. <laughs> I knew how to dance and move, and I knew how to reach the audience. And I had acts. So I had the three. Okay? And you did today, it. Today, it's a little different. Well, today, I, don't, I think I might get uh, a bus job if I was a young person because it's much better than it was back then. I thought about it. I thought about it three times. I saved up the money. I had a doctor. I looked at women. I saw great, some great, you know, jobs. And I decided, okay, I want that doctor. And every time, three times, mind you, over the years, the minute I decided, yes, Into my life would come another performer with serious messed up tits, seriously messed up boob job. And I said, oh, well, maybe not. After the third time, I said, I get it. I won't, I won't get a boob job. Please stop showing me women with messed up tits. I get it. I won't. And I didn't. Satan's Angel has a very different story about your boobs because she considered them to be amazing and very big at one point and she actually told us that she asked you hey Holiday did you just had a boob job and you answered no I've got I've just got fat titties <laughs> so it doesn't seem like your titties were that small <laughs> well what happened is I got fat people now say what are you talking about I'm like fat I weigh 100 pounds more than I did back then fat I can give you boobs now, but the tummy comes along with it. <laughs> anyway. But I don't, I don't care. You see, I'm, I'm 66, and, you know, I stopped caring when I turned 50. I actually really didn't care much after I was 17, but that's a different story. Um, but really, I don't care. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what we can say, on, but I have no <clears throat> to give. <laughs> I, I really don't give a damn about a lot anymore you you like me or you don't like me either well, we you love want you. to be with me or someone else if you want to be with someone else bye oh my god you know i love you so much because i feel so close to all of your <laughs> philosophy of life let's call it <laughs> anyway I, i'm very fond of myself <laughs> and that that took therapy Yeah. That took LSD when I was 17 and therapy in my mid-80s, in the mid-80s when I was uh, in my 30s. <laughs> Because 
I was a uh, too tall, fat, and I mean fat, oh. girl. Um, I had a full body skin condition that I still have. I had very thick glasses. I was legally blind by the time I was seven, so I had the Coke bottle glasses. Very frizzy hair that wasn't in style. And, uh, what, oh yes, very full lips. I was called, um, the N word a couple of times because of my hair and a couple of times more than that because of my hair and my lips. Um, although I'm very fair. Boston is racist, uh, was, still is. And, uh, what else? Oh yes, I was smart. Braces <laughs> <laughs> on my teeth and my mother dressed me funny. She made all my clothes. So I got beaten up and, and had kids running for me and was severely bullied by, uh, especially young women, young girls my own age, from the age of 8 to 17. In 1967, in Boston, the hippies were coming into Boston. And I was 17. I had shared my virginity in April. <laughs> I didn't give it away. I shared it. Uh, oh, well, it. you know, Kitty Natividad told us all about her <laughs> losing her virginity night. So maybe at the end of this interview, you're going to want to share it too. Well, I want to I just finish the story because okay. it's very important <laughs> to honor this transition. When I was 17 in June, I, uh, not in June, excuse me, in April, I also took LSD. And at the time, it was pure. It was Sandoz. And the first time, I just went, wow, look at that, look at that. Wow, that's beautiful. Wow, 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 wow. The second time, I sat in the Boston Commons, and I did an introspective journey. And in that journey, I realized, no, you're not an awful person. You're not. You happen to be tall, fat. Your mother dresses you funny. But every right now, everybody's dressing funny anyway, so I fit right in. I went from a total wallflower to queen of the hippies in three weeks, and I'm not kidding. I have a very outgoing, extroverted personality, but it got repressed when I was 12. I repressed it because I just figured I don't know how to relate to anybody. Every time I try, it just falls flat on its face. I'm just going to be quiet and observe, and that's what I did. People weren't any nicer to me, but I didn't try, so I was less disappointed. When I was 17, at the end of that acid trip, I knew that I was okay. Ugh. And that whatever people thought of me, that was their problem. I still wanted people to like me. I always want people to like me. <laughs> but I am not, my opinion of myself does not depend on what they think. I know who I am, and I kind of knew it then. I read a lot of self-help books after that, and by the time I was 33, 35, I went into therapy because I had done everything I could, and I still had some issues, mm -hmm. and I cleaned them up, and here we are. I'm not saying that people should take LSD now for two reasons. <laughs> One, two reasons. One, I can't guarantee the quality of what they're taking. <laughs> two, there is not a support system like there was then. And so, you know, people take it a little bit. They just seem to take like 25 mics. We were taking 100 to 200 mics a journey. 
So this idea of dropping just this teeny little bit, um, I'm like, okay, I, uh, you know, I don't, who wants to do that? <laughs> oh my God. If I want to go out and dance. I don't need drugs. Well, coffee, maybe. <laughs> You crazy, you. So maybe not from crazy. here. Not crazy. <laughs> you wild, you wild. Very you. experimental. <laughs> so from here, we should probably go to the first song. You told oh, yeah. us you really love the doors. And I guess I with do. all this like drug, uh, maybe we should introduce oh. our next song because you have chosen a few songs for us. And oh, Touch yeah. Me by the Doors was one of them. Do you have a particular story yeah. about it? Well, I love that song. But as I said, I probably wouldn't dance to it now because the audience is much more grabby than it was back in 1980s and <laughs> 70s. Um, that would never happen back then. People respected you. You could walk into an audience and they rarely would touch you. Um, and now, well, uh, but that song, see, everything's around the love and my act was the lady who loves to love you, my, my, uh, tagline. Yes. And that came from, that came from Donna Summer. Um, I didn't really have a tagline till then, but it's true that I am a hippie. I'm an old hippie now. <laughs> I still believe in peace, love, and happiness and all that good stuff. Uh, and nobody was doing hearts at the time. So I thought, hey, lady who loves to love you, hearts, kisses, all of that. And so almost every one of my uh, uh, acts has hearts somewhere in it. And if I worked at a, a nightclub for any length of time, then the then the joke was find the heart because, you know, people, regulars would come in all the time and I'd, so I'd switch it around. Um, but um, the other song I loved by The Doors was uh, the first uh, song I would use with Janis Joplin mixed in, which was Hello, I Love You. Yes. And that was my first song. And then uh, Janis Joplin's uh, Turtle Blues and then another Doors song, Maybe Touch Me, and then jo Janis Joplin's Bye Bye Baby Bye Bye. All and right. there we have... Nice mix, right? Great. So we're going to listen to Touch Me Now, and we, and we will be back in a couple of minutes. Come on, come on, come on, come on, now touch me, baby. Can't you see that I am not afraid? What was that promise that you made? Why won't you tell me what she said? What was that promise that you made? Now I'm gonna love you Till the heavens stop the rain Stars fall from the sky for you and I. Come on, come on, come on, come on, now touch me, babe. Can't you see? That I am not afraid What was that promise that you made? 
After touch, after listening to "Touch Me by the Doors" with Holiday O'Hara, oh my God! So we talked about many, many things, but I want to know it all from the beginning. I know that you started performing when you were five, and you started burlesque at the age of eighteen. <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? We want to know it all. My first performance at five was singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer at my grandmother's. Christmas party at the hotel she was the head housekeeper at. And that that performance was very important because that's where I discovered something um, that stayed with me all the time, which is play to the audience at the end and the edges of the room. Because I remember at that podium looking out at all those faces and worrying five years old, worrying that the people at the edge couldn't hear me and singing my song to them. <laughs> In 1960, no, 1972, I went on the road and the uh, second mentor, I Need a Man, the, fir- the original I Need a Man, taught me three things. One, don't worry about the light man, the uh, front row sock your show to the white man. I already have that down. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) And the second one that I use all the time is if you can't fix it, feature it. (laughs) Well, we actually, I have no problem with my wheelchair. (laughs) So we actually love to give a sort of advices to our listeners. So what would you, what is the, like maybe let's say three advices that you would give to the performers that are starting burlesque now and that they didn't leave those golden era uh, of burlesque, what would you tell them? Like, which, what, do should, what should they follow as a philosophy of their work? Oh, my goodness. Well, I would say come, if I teach my uh, performance on presence, come to that because uh, it's called per- uh, performing, performing Presence and Passion or How a Woman in a Wheelchair Can Get a Standing Ovation from Yay! a Thousand People. Oh, my God, work! <laughs> what I know, it's called it Radiate. Now, this presence. workshop is called Radiate. A great Radiate deal of it is about presence. You know, I'd say listen to everything I've been just saying um, because I had great mentors. 
know how to move. Please, <laughs> please take dance lessons. Please look up and engage the audience with your face. Mm-hmm. I worked with a beautiful woman back in the day, beautiful, mm-hmm. and her face was blank. And, you know, mm-hmm. I would sit in the audience with people, and the only thing wrong with her body is her ankles were a little thick. Other than that, she was gorgeous, <laughs> but she had a blank face. And every time, every time, it was amazing. They would all turned to me and said, you know, her ankles are a little thick because she wasn't <laughs> engaging with the face. If you do not use your face, your face, is a dance step. Everything you do with your face is a dance step. Yes. You'll notice the reason you're looking at me, two reasons. When I don't move in the middle of that big stage, I don't move. But I do two things. One, I make gestures to pull the audience in every time. Two, I do more than two things. Two, my face. My face reflects what I'm thinking. I'm not thinking, oh, my God. I'm thinking the, so- the music. I'm thinking the song. I'm thinking I love you. Yes. I'm thinking take my love, take my love, take me, and I'll take you. Yes, definitely. I'm, I'm engaged with them. And that's the whole thing. As a burlesque performer, we have to break that fourth wall. Definitely. You know, I went, I went to watch ballet right after I came back from the last beehive. I was bored to death. And I couldn't figure out why, because they were beautiful. And I went, oh, I'm used to, I just came from a whole four days of everybody engaging with me from stage. (laughs) And, you know, they're beautiful. And I love ballet. I really do. If it wasn't for ballet, I wouldn't have the grace I have now. So have grace, please. Have acts. (laughs) Um, Don't and don't try to be someone or something you are not. Oh, yes. Exactly. Embrace who you are, what makes you want to get up on stage. If you are just working out your issues, great. I have no problem with that. But really, I'm supposed to pay you to see you work out your issues. So make it entertaining, please. (laughs) (laughs) So what made you want to get up on stage? Oh, I'm a performer. I'm just a natural performer. Remember, (laughs) five years old. Um, I didn't, you know, the funny thing was, even when I was too tall, too fat, blah, 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 when you put me on stage, I didn't care. It didn't matter to me. So I have a natural affinity for the stage. That's true. Now, if I'm unprepared, I don't like it. But if I'm prepared, if I've got something, I know what to do, um, especially performing, dancing, I'm great. I'm happy up there. I love the audience and the audience loves me. Oh, if we you definitely don't, do. <laughs> if you don't love the audience, what are you doing there? You shouldn't be there. <laughs> exactly. So, you know? Um, so I would say be yourself and figure out what that means. What do you have to say other than, oh, I'm working out my issues about being fat. All right. So get up on stage, be fat, love yourself, make me love you, all of you, because I will if you love yourself. Exactly. So but have- if you don't love yourself, then it's hard for me. And then, I, I, then I'm like, oh, poor girl. <laughs> That's not what you were looking for. You were never looking for a poor girl when you got up on stage. Nobody wants that. Yeah. So, so get so- up there and have a reason to perform. Mm. Have a real reason that's about entertaining and performing and communicating. I don't care if it's political. I don't care if it's comic. I don't care if it's classic. I don't care what it is. But have a real reason other than I just want to take off my clothes. 
Anybody can take off their clothes. That's what, that's called going to bed. Yes, definitely. You know, but if you take off your clothes or not to put them back on, I mean, I just watched, I was watching Beehive 13 on YouTube and there's that wonderful woman who won the, uh, Laura Hagan. Yes. Won the, the oh, debut. she's wonderful, isn't she? Oh my goodness. Now she wasn't there. I don't know. You, you, and you, um, I don't know, but <laughs> I have, I have a very big fondness for your act, but uh, that was amazing. That was an amazing and original version of the reverse strip. Yes. Definitely. It's hard to be original anymore. And, and I want to say, don't try to be too original. Sometimes people lose what they're doing in, in gimmicks. So have a real reason other than the gimmick too. Exactly. Uh, because, you know, at this point, my only gimmick is I use a wheelchair. There's only one <laughs> other person, and I'm going to go see her tomorrow night. She's in San Francisco, and that's a woman named Jacqueline Box. And she was a dancer, and then I don't know what happened, but she now uses, uh, she's now in a wheelchair. And she performs in a wheelchair that's her throne. And she is amazing. Wow. And, yeah. And so the two of us have a real affinity. So how were you um, getting to create your acts and how did you get to create sort of your, at those times, I mean, obviously today, your signature act is the freaking wheelchair act. Yes, babes. But at oh, those take times... Take my love, take my love, take me. Um, that that uh, is a signature act of mine. I love that song. Nobody knew that song. I don't know why, but they didn't. It was by Shirley Bassey. And um, when I first heard it, I fell in love with it. And I used it for a number of different acts, actually, with different themes, because it's kind of a classic song. So it doesn't matter then where I used it in a cowboy act, actually. I used it in something like What You Saw, which was very classic. I used it in, not, I didn't use it in my spy act. Um, but it was, it was just a song that pretty much, uh, I would say, exemplifies me. You know, take my love, take my love, take me. And then there's always, because I was like the backstep or the counterbeat, you know, um, I'll take you. <laughs> <laughs> so, dear listeners, let's listen to this famous song, Take My Love, ah, Take yes. Me, by Shirley Bassey. You can have it if you want it. It's gratis, it's for free There ain't no strings attached No, there ain't no catch Take my love, take my love, take me You can have it if you want it It's available, can't you see? All I want is you No one else will do Take my love, take my love, take me Nobody can kiss up a storm and make me warm all over like you There ain't nobody who's got what you got can tie my heart in a knot But I love it, so have it If you want it, I'm as ready as I can be You've got me under your spell, so you might as well Take my love, take my love, take me Thank you. 
Take my love, take my love, take me Take my love, take my love, take me There ain't nobody can kiss up a storm And make me warm all over like you There ain't nobody who's got what you got Can tie my heart in a knot But I love it, so have it If you want it, I'm as ready as I can be back after this sensual song Take My Love, Take Me by Shirley Bassey and we're back with Holiday O'Hara so we have talked about your beginnings in burlesque and now we want to go on and on and on with your stories so after <laughs> after just being a performer you became a manager of a club how did that go? How was working with the, with the girls and uh, how oh, was it was managing no the problem. girls? And... Yes, that was no problem you know, um My final career is a hypnotherapist, and uh, I've always listened to other people. Other people came to me before I, I even knew what was happening. My worst enemy cried on my shoulder at camp. I mean, things like this happen. So I was always with the girls anyway in the dressing room. I was never one in, uh, to go over to the bar if I was working at a theater and drink. I'm, the alcohol is not my thing. So I was always hanging out with the women. And what happened in 1983, or rather 1980, is that I decided to go back to college. And I also had been working uh, just theater uh, at the new, at the Surrey Street Theater. So I um, became everybody's Relief girl there originally. <laughs> I did the lights on the strippers for one uh, day. I ran the hardcore sex show. I was MC, relief MC, and I was a cashier. I mean, I did everything. <laughs> and in 1980, uh, in later in 1980, the owner of the theater and the stage manager had a fight and he fired her. And he said to me, You get the job. You know it. You've been doing it. Here, it's yours. And so for the next year, I was stage manager, and I loved that job. That was great. I got to teach other women how to develop an act. I got to create an opening and a closing uh, act for the show that uh, was, we had four shows a day. I got to uh, create tapes and acts and, and help other women find their name and find their theme. It was great. I loved it. I loved it. I had no problem. When I became stage manager, uh, theater manager, that was hard for me. That took me away from the stage. All of a sudden, I was creating schedules and doing payroll and managing the whole shebang, and it was less interesting, truly. I'm not really interested in administration. I'm a performer. <laughs> And so I got switched back. I switched back uh, to being stage manager again and back to what I love doing. And uh, I did that until 
So the ownership changed. And in 1983, they decided to go to New York Live. They put in a runway. They hired different women. I worked one week and said I was done. Um, because um, I have nothing against that work. But if that's what you want to do, you want a different stage manager. That's not what I do. When you change the dynamics so that the audience can touch you for a dollar, for a dollar. Are you kidding me for a dollar? (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, that's not my game. You want to do it? You want to do it? Great. But that's not what I want to do. So I left. And what I left to is another story, isn't it? Yeah. So now <laughs> I want to talk about. Now, have, I believe you have one more song that you <laughs> didn't play. No, no. Now I want to talk about my favorite part of your life that I know nothing <laughs> about, but I want to know everything about now. You became a well, dominatrix at one point. Yeah. Yeah. What happened was that um, in March of 83, I quit on the Southern because no. Nobody's going to touch my girls for a dollar yeah. or anything, really. That's a different job. So I quit, and I kind of bounced around for a bit. You know, I did amateur, uh, and I I went to various, I was at 33 at the time, no problem. Went to different clubs and worked, and, but I wasn't, wasn't happy um, doing it, and things were changing, and things were changing within me as well. Um, what happened was that in nine, three years prior, in 1980, I met a woman, well, actually I met her in 75, I re-met a woman who uh, wound up being my roommate. And she moved in, and in two days, <laughs> we were having um, <clears throat> power struggles. She's a very dynamic and powerful woman, and she moved into my home but immediately tried to take over. And uh, then I found out that she was, and well, she asked if she could put ring bolts in the wall of her bedroom. That's a beautiful Victorian flat I live in. You want to put, you want to do what to the wood and why? And she said, I want my boyfriend to tie me up and spank me. And I was horrified. And I mean that. I was horrified. I never had any um, SM or DS or B, uh, bondage, none. I'm all about sensation. I'm multi-orgasmic, um, and I do Tantra. Not about FM. That, to me, was violence. That, to me, was low self-esteem. Men and women who hated themselves and hated men and women, and I wanted no part of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I told her so. I said, oh, no, that's why we're having these power struggles, and we're done, and you're going to have to move out. And I gave, her, I gave her a month because, you know, hey, finding a place, but I was adamant. And she went to the Society of Jana, which is the second educational SM organization in the United States, founded in 1974. So it wasn't very old. And um, she had moved in in 79, that's right. And I had no idea, you know, about all of this. And she went there and she came and talked to me. And she said, SM is not what you think it is. It's all consensual. And I apologize. And I was like, what? You apologize? Because this is not a woman who apologizes easily. (laughs) And she said, I'm very sorry for doing non-consensual power games with you. For real. This is great. I only want to do that in the bedroom. 
and with people who agree to play it. I'm sorry, I didn't know. Please come to a Janice meeting. You'll see what I'm talking about. I was floored. Absolutely floored. What? What do you mean? It's not what I think. It is. I mean, me, I'm like, oh, I know. And she was like, no, you don't. Please come. I thought, okay. This, you know, the change was profound. The way she was behaving was profound. She'd only gone to two meetings, and this is better than AA. I mean, what? So I said, okay, I'll go. I was scared. I was afraid I was going to meet Ken, Ted Bundy or some really creepy people. <laughs> no, I didn't meet anything like that. I met great people. I met a 70-year-old lovely man who was the accountant, um, and all he had was an interest in feet. I met a lovely poet, woman, poetess, who was so smart. I met all these people who were just like you and me and everybody else, except they had this interest. And they were talking about things that people weren't talking about back in 1980. They weren't talking about, well, what do you like? Oh, why didn't you like what we just did? They weren't talking about that. Yeah, the sexual revolution had happened in 68, but not like this. Yeah, And I I decided that I wanted to join. I had no fantasy. And at the time, you really had to have an active interest. But they decided, the powers that be, that my interest in costuming, which is pretty passionate, could be a, a fetish. And so they let me join. I went to every meeting, even if I wasn't interested in the subject, because... If I was misinformed by about one thing, who knew what I'd be misinformed about? I didn't know. It was all open. Hmm. So I went to every meeting. I went to meetings on piercing. I went to meetings on negotiation, which is crucial. I went to meetings on bondage, which I've never been really interested in and still not. But I went. I went. And at that time, 1980, there were only two meetings a month. And that was it. That was the only, what we now call BDSM, educational thing happening in San Francisco. Now, you could go every night to something. Yeah. And back then, do a month. And so before this experience, you didn't really have that in your sexual life. You didn't explore that no. in your sexual life. I'm a convert. I'm <laughs> absolutely a convert. And I'll never go back. <laughs> you know, now I can't stand up and I can't give those three-hour um, beautiful, cathartic, transformative, I was known for my transformative floggings. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I don't work uh, professionally anymore. I stopped in 2005. Uh, yeah. But if I, yeah, I had to. If I had somebody here, we would definitely be lying side by side and I would I have fingernails, honey, and I have teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and it's spice, you know, for me, it's the spice in the soup. Oh, how many. Look, I'm looking at one of your pictures that you posted on your Facebook uh, oh, from yeah. 1986 with some slave, Gregor. Who was. Gregor, yeah. Yes. He was my first slave. He was my first slave. He turned out really a slave. <laughs> oh, well. Well, he was a very lucky boy, wasn't he, huh? He knows that. He has told me that many times. Oh, is he still around? Oh, I'm friends with every one of my exes, except for the ones that died and the couple crazy ones oh. that, you know, 
Amazing. We make our mistakes when we're very young. <laughs> so we should send a big kiss to Slave Gregor now. From you, but also from all the girls here in Germany. Say that say again? I said we should send a big kiss to Gregor now. From you, but also from yeah, all the girls here in Germany. Well, he did start me on the path. <laughs> and the, the one real love of my life is not Greg, but Bill Hankin. Bill Hankin was my slave. And my as a, there is an essence of the goddess and God, I believe, in each one of us, something sacred. Uh, we're a, like a drop of the ocean, you know? Uh, the ocean is the great thing, and we're a little drop. But each one of us has that light within us. And he adored me. I was his goddess, and he was my priest. He also became my best friend, my beloved consort. I was his queen. And uh, then, I mean, we were in touch with our inner child and our inner child. Both of them were childhood sweethearts, on and on. Uh, we were together for 26 years. And uh, he passed last uh, 2014 in October. Oh. Uh, but the foundation was SM, or DS, really, Dominance and Submission. And uh, you can be best friends with your slave. <laughs> 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 you know, the fact of the matter is, this all what we're talking about here, a great deal is confidence. That's what we're really talking about. What you see is confidence in my face when I'm dancing. If you don't have confidence in yourself, good luck. <laughs> you have to believe that you can do the thing. And if you don't have confidence, take it. <laughs> take it. Are you there? I'm just listening to your words. I'm just nourishing my soul with them. So I'm in silence, uh -huh. but I'm here, definitely. Well, you know, if you don't have confidence in what you do, Find a place, a thing, an activity, whatever, a belief, where you do have confidence. Yeah. And let that belief, find it in your body. Find where that feeling lives and get in touch with that feeling. And when you're about to do the scary thing, whatever it is, and you don't, you're not real sure, remember that feeling of confidence. Definitely. Remember it in your body and do the scary thing. But remember it right before. It will help. It helps profoundly. There are things I'm not confident about. Of course, I'm a human being. But I draw on what I am confident about, and I bring that over. Definitely. Being a dom, though, I want to say a couple of things about that. I know we're, we're wrapping this up. But I, I uh, because I'm not a bitch, and I'm not cold, and I'm not uh, cruel. I'm sadistic. But there's a very difference between being sadistic and being cruel. I don't scream at you, I don't call you names, and I'm not punishing you. It's an intense sensation that I want you to love. It's intensity, not punishment or quote-unquote pain. We, we don't have enough words for pain. This is an intense sensation that is a vehicle for the other person to surrender, to let go of their armor and to just accept. And... What happens when you can let go of your armor is personally transformative. I also uh, specialized in age play, uh, helping those uh, people who had a younger part of themselves uh, find fulfillment in that fantasy. There was no term for it when I came into the community. Everything was called infantilism. When I was meeting naughty boys and 
teenage virgin sluts and all people of all younger ages. Infantilism didn't keep them, but age play did. I coined that term. I am a loving sadist. It's all about love for me. Mm. I just happen to have a wide range (laughs) of what love means. So let's talk about Hmm? Let's talk a little bit about your loves. Let's get into your intimate life. I want to know a little bit what, how, I mean, how were you dealing with your love life between all the gigs and your, you know, and your, of Um, course, all the rest of your professional life and as well, you know, domination and so on. It wasn't easy um, because being a stripper or being a dom, uh, people were drawn to you who aren't necessarily the best people in the world. And uh, some people can't handle what you do. I'd rather be single than be with someone who doesn't agree with my profession. I love what I do. I've never been ashamed ever of being a stripper or a dom, ever. No, I refuse. I just refuse. It's nonsense. So if you're embarrassed about that, then we're not, you want someone who looks very, very, very much lightly, but isn't me. <laughs> I tried one time when I was young, 20, I became a telephone operator. Oh my God, and, what? Uh, <laughs> really? <yeah. laughs> For real. Mm-hmm. I lasted so all So that's three your years. dirty secret, not the <laughs> fact that you're a dominatrix, but you did a, you did a, you had a normal well, job at no, one I'm, point. I got best tone of service. You see, I know how to control a conversation without a person knowing what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) And be gracious about it. Be very gracious about it. And so, uh, but I couldn't take it. I I couldn't take the rigidity of it. I couldn't take um, my secondary boss who was really on me. Like she didn't like me for some reason. And I could never, I don't know why. And I could never change it. And uh, then I was pregnant. I wound up having a uh, miscarriage, but I was pregnant. And I had morning sickness. And she wouldn't let me leave. Uh, And I wound up throwing up all over. This is when you had the old switchboard with the cords and everything. Now it's all digital. Um, And I threw up. (laughs) I just threw up all over the board because she wouldn't let me leave. And I thought, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done here. (laughs) This is not where I want to be. And so I I quit. And then I had a miscarriage because I was, this body was never meant to have babies. And, um, mm -hmm. and I went back to dancing and I told my boyfriend, sorry, I'm going to do what what I love. We broke up and I swore I'd never do that again. And I never have. And I've been single. You know what? It's okay to be single. (laughs) You've been single since? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. I'm single right now. I was single. I've been single. That's okay. No, it's not okay. It's perfect. Like, I mean, I love to have lovers. And I love to be single and uh, just enjoy my life. And then if a man comes in and enjoy my life with me, that's, of (laughs) of course, great. But, you know, I don't want to... No, I'm sacrifice not anything. <laughs> no, 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 no. You want to be with me. Uh-oh, that's for sure. I'm just... And everything that I have to offer, you want to be with this body, this mind, this heart, this spirit, this life. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. And I'm sure that after this interview, all of our listeners want to be with you. Only you, too. No. 
So let's you know, tell- I became a hypnotherapist for one reason, two reasons. One, my back was starting to really go out, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to be a professional dominatrix for too much longer. In 1997, that's when I became uh, a hypnotherapist. And uh, in 2005, I had about two dom clients left that I could sit and just talk to, and they would go under. And a, and a very full uh, chiropractic, uh, chiropractic, hypnotherapeutic practice. I had to quit it because um, of pain. I quit everything in 2005. And then, uh, and it was a very great time. It was not a good time for five years because of pain and uh, muscle spasm. And then in 2010, a uh, wonderful thing, I discovered another medicine that stops me from spasming. I'm still in pain. I can't stand. But I don't have that horrible pulling pain that would never, ever stop and would wake me up in the middle of the night screaming. And so my energy has come back, which is why, um, oh, can you keep a secret? Well, I'll try, but maybe our listeners won't be able to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming back to be hot this year. <laughs> you do want to know a secret too? I might be coming as well. Uh oh! Yes, don't put it. Don't put it on Facebook. Okay, it's a secret. Well, you yes. know, last year I said, this is, I mean, Tigger has been calling me Cher ever since forever. <laughs> I'm laughing because I say, oh, no, I'm not coming back. And then I come back and I'm not coming back and I come back. So last year I said it in print, even I was determined. Now, really, I'm going out with a splash. I was a mermaid on, you know, in the walk. I had a great time, but I really had a fabulous time because although all my other assistants have been wonderful, they really have. I don't want to put them down for a second because they were great. But the woman who came with me last year, we fell in love. Not sex love, but we <laughs> fell in love with each other, and that's Alice. We went through some very hard times, and we were great, both of us, because both of us have a commitment to having a good time, having a hard time. We have a commitment. And we laughed, we joked, we cuddled. And I left the room feeling so good every time that even though I said, no, no, I came home and I, I thought, I got to think about this because, oh, I'm dying now. I mean, I really hurt afterwards, but I wonder. And then she said she'd come back with me. She said, I'd love to. That's what Alice said. And I went, oh. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be Cher, you know. Return farewell tour. Return farewell tour. <laughs> Well, this this is a great news to end our interview with. I mean, I cannot wait to see you on that stage again. And I hope to be there. I should be there. If it, everything oh, works out, I will be there. Please, please but, come up and, and say hi this oh time. Oh, my God, yes. And then we have to go and visit okay. Satan's Angel. And you're going to hear... How 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 well she spoke of you and how well you uh, oh, and what a good friend you are and she said that sweetheart. you're always gonna be there for her that's what she feels oh and, yeah yes oh yeah and we met in seventy seven in Guam and um, I was told I was warned oh Satan's angel she's scary I went okay 
<laughs> but you know, I I hung out with with bikers in New York. I'm not, and I'm just not afraid. I'm not afraid of much. I'm really not. Um, and so, you know, when I met her, and she goes, "How?" And I went, "Hi." And she, I'm Satan, saying, "John, uh huh, yeah, I'm Holiday O'Hara. Good to meet you." <laughs> and she looked at me, and I said, "What? What?" And we were friends. I mean, she's just like another biker chick, you know. <laughs> we laugh, we carry on, we we. Um, Oh, and here's the other thing. I'm I'm the good one. Um, people laugh when I say that, but no, I've hung out with bad girls all my life. I'm the good one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the one not right now, not right now. Later, maybe, but not right now. <laughs> Apparently, you were the bad girl when you had Satan's angel smoking some famous Thai weed, and apparently she had 45 minutes on on stage where he had no clue what she was doing. <laughs> And she just started oh, laughing. That was so funny. Oh, that was so funny. Oh my god, Thai stick. <laughs> <laughs> Thai yeah. stick, which is some of the finest marijuana on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Apparently you just told her you're just too nervous. Take a drag of this. <laughs> oh, and she did. And I'm so caught. I was watching going, oh gee. <laughs> it was funny. Oh my God, dear Holiday O'Hara, thank you so much for this interview. I hope we're gonna meet and smoke some Thai weed together. <laughs> well, they would love that. You're gonna have to bring it though. I don't have a connection. I well, I can get some weed from Amsterdam, I guess, from Europe, which is not bad. <laughs> thank you so much for this interview. Thank you so much for being part of Burlesque on Air. And we're going to end this interview with one of your favorite songs, Shangri-La. Oh, from back in the day. Shangri-La yeah. by Spike Jonze's new band. Yeah. Do you have anything particular to say about this song? Just learn to love yourself. Oh, thank you so much. And we Everybody, hope to... learn to love yourself, work I... and all. Oh, I feel we could have continued this interview for like two more hours. Unfortunately, the time is limited, but maybe we're going to have you back. What do you think about that? Ooh, oh, oh. I would love it. <laughs> thank you and bye. And a thousand times thank you and a thousand kisses to you. Mwah. Mwah. Bye. Bye-bye, darling. Bye. Bye.
Shangri-La, Lada. What an Interview. La, 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 la. Oh my God. What an Interview. What an Episode. I mean, this is like definitely one of my favorite ones. Yeah. And, yeah, especially her story about the how she started to become a dominatrix. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we love you, Holiday. We love all the legends, and uh, we are not gonna tell you who is going to be our next legend interviewed on Burlesque on Air, but you're just going to have to figure it out yourself listening to Burlesque on Air on the 13th of April at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. On Alex Radio. On Alex Radio. And if you can't wait so long, <gasps> then just find us on SoundCloud, Burlesque on Air, and yeah, enjoy all the past episodes. 19 past episodes, and this was the 20th. Yeah. So, so in the next one, we will be adults allowed to drink and... Allowed uh, to vote for <laughs> Bernie Sanders? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, so that's I'm feeling the burn, Susanna. I'm totally feeling the burn. Uh (laughs) This time in a political way. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Everyone knows I'm a communist. Well, let's let's not say loud, Bernie. He's not a communist. Okay. But I mean, I'm feeling the love for Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's go back to burlesque. It's How too political. Uh, yeah. it's <laughs> anyway, goodbye to everyone. Don't forget to li- love, like, adore <laughs> our Facebook page www.facebook.com/slash <laughs> burlesque. And yeah. who is responsible for this episode? Ah, yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's me, Suzanne. <laughs> Bye! And irresponsible Lara again. Yes. <laughs> Bye! Bye! <laughs>